Hi, my name is Sydney, and my favorite Pokemon Whoa. is Mareep. Hi, my name is Maya. I have a tie. My favorite oh, Pokemon are Duskull and Skitty. You've told me this, and it's just very different, such different I aesthetics. I know. And <laughs> the thing is, is um, Duskull is became my favorite from the episode that he's in where mm-hmm. they go camping at night and he just like wants friends yeah and then skitty i don't know why just like mm-hmm. when i saw her in the game for the first time i was like give some <laughs> want <laughs> little pink kitty cat I know. Skitty, Grabby. or also dilly catty or just skitty just skitty just skitty yeah see like i love flaffy Amph- like the whole family like That's i love fair. using an ampharos in game mm-hmm. but i i've always thought like oh if you're in the world of pokemon what would you and some people would be like a trainer or like a, a contest person or whatever i'd be like i'd run a farm of just Marie. Oh, cute just a Marie farm i never thought about that yeah like what profession I'd yeah have? like what you would do in the world That's of so pokemon. interesting i, I would, would be I like would, i would have to contemplate yeah. for a very long time i'm not gonna give an answer do you right know now. like that the uh crystal game where you come on co- across like the mumu Oh, yeah. Milk farm or whatever. Yeah, that would yeah. be me, but just with a bunch of Mareep. And it would cute. just be like wool. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be like, I'm just constantly surrounded by Mareep. I at do all time. like the healing Pokemon, like Audino and. Yeah. I can't remember the other. Clif- not Clefairy. Chansey. Yes, yeah. Chansey. Like, I do have a soft spot for that. Yeah. Like, they're the pink color, and I do like that peachy kind of pink color, yeah. and they're just very cute. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a slight of you. Thank you. Would you have a pink team? Little pink team? I would have to look at the list of like pink all Pokemon? pink Pokemon because I do like Slowpoke and I oh, yeah. like. They had that new one that was the Tinka Tinka that mm-hmm. was like the steel one with the fucking hammer. Yeah, she was slay. Yeah, I saw. I think they posted. I, I, it was the new anime intro or yeah. like part of the new yeah. episode where like she, she like ran yes. and I was like slay she's slay she's so she's so, so good they would, know what we want I know yeah. and I would have to look at a list but I feel like I could come up mm-hmm. with a pretty good team of just pink Pokemon yeah. like even um what's that Muna yeah the psychic type yeah, yeah. like black black and white is my favorite gen 5 is my favorite yeah so like that's why I like Adino mm-hmm. that's why I like Muna yeah. so mine is um I get Gen 2, like the Johto, which is, again, like, Mareep. Gen 4, Gen 5 is yeah. definitely where I tend to lay. Like, um, I have a picture of it. I have a sticker of it on my laptop of it. Jesus Christ, it's a Pokemon. <laughs> That's a person. Um, Turtwig. Oh. It was, like, the first starter I remember actively picking. Yeah. Like, in my childhood yeah. brain, like, deciding I want Turtwig. And then Tepig was, was my Gen 5, so, like, there's the, a theme. The, the, the bipedal, like, the four-legged. Yeah, like. like, I have a soft spot for the little the little tiny the ones. Little They're so cute. My, my favorite starter is Piplup, because that was also yeah. my first, like, little penguin guy. Like, oh, my God. What a, what a precious yeah. little Who gem. Was in the show... Who had the Piplup? Dawn. You, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember her name, but I was yeah. like, I remember she had her so vividly. She had the slayest, cutest little team. She had a Pachirisu. She had a Buneary. She, she had a Piplup. She was slay too, herself. Like, yeah, she was. I, I felt like, I'm all the female companions from oh, yeah. like, all the shows, She's all the my games. favorite, though. She's very, very slay. I like it her It was so the, also the only like region that I watched in full. Oh, Because it like see. came out when I was like in middle school or something like that. It was like just the perfect time. So it was like... The, I don't know if I watched all of it, but I watched the majority of it. She had the slayest, cuntiest little team with just the Pachirisu, the Baneri, right. the the Piplup, and they were all just, like, the cutest little guys. And I was like, I love this. This is the best thing I could have ever asked for. They um, knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. But I am taking you into the world of Pokemon today. Okay. But the dark and the scary... Slay. 
world of Pokemon Lavender Down. Creepypasta. Okay. Huge. You don't really have a history with Creepypasta. Um, I have a very vague history. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, since we didn't say this, this is canonically oh, fuck, incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a show where we talk about anything and anything related to fan fiction yeah. or fandom. Um, so in terms of creepypasta, I have a very vague, mm-hmm. I never like read it as a kid. I grew up Mormon, so I was very shielded, mm-hmm. not very, but like shielded to a degree as yeah. a kid. And I like had a general sense of like what to look out for and what to not. So like. When it came to comedy, I watched Smosh because sure. I was like, it's comedy. It yeah. can't be hurtful. They definitely said words that I wasn't allowed to hear <laughs> at that young age. But, like, when it came to, like, horror things, mm-hmm. I steered clear because I knew that was a big no-no. Yeah. So I didn't learn about creepypastas probably until I was, like, 13, 14, mm-hmm. middle school age. Yeah. And even then, I didn't watch, like, videos about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to things. I didn't actively read them like i knew about ben drown yeah and i knew about jeff the killer famous like I, famous and yeah. i knew vaguely i never read the stories mm-hmm. or anything and it wasn't until much much later that like i even the only one that i really know in full is ben drown okay i don't know the story of jeff the killer mm-hmm. i know slender man but that one's yeah more than just a creepy slender man yes yeah, grown out of the creepy pasta right. of and it all like that was like marble hornets yeah. and that's a whole other thing yeah. so Correct. I did not grow up with creepypasta, and my knowledge of it is quite vague. Yeah. I have always been, like, a horror child. Yeah. Um, I didn't really grow up with it. My mom does not like horror movies. (laughs) Correct. Hates them. (laughs) Correct. Hates them. Um, She has gotten used to them because my sister and I force her to watch them now that we are adults, and we still love them. Mm -hmm. Um, But because, like, I wasn't allowed to, like... Dude, I would be, like, the kid at Blockbuster... Who, like would see the terrifying horror movie covers and be like that one and my yeah. mom would be like no why why do you want the, the movie with the severed eyeball on it and i would just be like please <laughs> i yearn for pass out as a child <laughs> i yearn for the horror movies and um so i wasn't i didn't really even get into horror movies until i found out like what pirating was and oh. everything um but when i was around like late elementary school early middle school i found creepypastas for the first time mm. and it was like a well it was like free on the internet right it was creepypasta if you don't know is basically like the no sleep reddit page like that was basically what but it's like more the no sleep reddit page yeah i will say <laughs> makes me laugh there are, pl- there are plenty of posts on it that are just shit posts oh and sure. like, i mean the funny. same thing with creepypasta and, right like, and i'm thinking more like the two sentence horror types where sure. it's just like the creepy man was creepy i mean like, and, like let's be like that. let's be honest with ourselves <laughs> a lot of the ones that were infamous like uh jeff the killer uh ben drown squidward have suicide you, have you heard manhan hook car door yeah of course okay, i have <laughs> good. i was like that's one that i know yeah i used to know verbatim and could recite it but yeah, yeah but all the ones that like terrified us as children now we're like why did that scare us so badly i mean but also like we've been condi- like yes it, things were upped right and i yeah not to get you off track i did watch like a youtube video or like docuseries or mm-hmm. something where it was like why horror games aren't scary by like the third iteration why like why horror can't be continuous why Mm -hmm. we grow out of things that scare us and it was a whole thing like there's a lot of different reasons but but a lot of them were cheesy like one of the most that you said the most infamous is jeff the killer and it's so like lame now that you grow up because it's just like about some dude the story it's literally about like some a dude named jeff who's like an older brother he gets terribly bullied and he gets disfigured after being set on fire 
by said bullies and that's where he gets the like infamous like everyone knows the photo pasty white face like the eyes well i think like he carves the eyes something like that but he does like he's the one who does the smile like he's he like cuts his mouth into like the like notorious smile that's like also in that photograph and then i'm pretty sure he kills his whole family i remember seeing the photo from the for the first time as like a mormon Mm -hmm. child scared me yeah scared me to death the photos that accompanied creepypastas and for the most part it'd be like a singular photo it wouldn't be like a gallery of photos it'd be like a singular photo or if you were lucky like if it was a squidward suicides or it'd been drowned you had a whole video attached to it right Right. but did you yes not to get you off track again did you know about like the people that are trying to find the sources of those photos Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, and they recently discovered one. I yeah. can't remember which story it's from, but I remember I that it's... being like a huge discovery. Everyone was like, we found the original photo. Everyone has been trying God. to figure out what the Jeff the Killer photo is because right. it was... It's so heavily edited. It's so heavily edited, and people don't know whether it was just like the author took like a webcam photo or they did pull it from the internet or like what this photo... Is it right. from a screen grab from a horror movie? Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But like... A lot of infamous photos are, like, the Jeff the Killer photo, uh, the Slenderman photos. Um, the Slenderman did have multiple photos, um, but that's just, it caught on, like, Wildflower in a right. way that it didn't for others. Um, Smile Dog was one that had a terrifying mm-hmm. photo of the dog with, like, human teeth. Yeah, I remember Smile Dog. Um, the Rake had one. Uh, the I photo did not for like the Rake. rake. <laughs> you did yeah, not? The no. Rake was horrible it was terrifying um the russian sleep experiment the russian sleep experiment was, was which now everyone knows is just like a halloween decoration put on like a snowy bench yeah but even like i remember being young and thinking that like mm-hmm. that was real a lot I, of people thought the russian i remember sleep experiment like was real. stumbling across it for the first time at the ripe age of like 14 or 15 yeah. or something because that's when i started to get into horror mm-hmm. so i finally started catching up with all this stuff and was like holy shit yeah. that's fucked yeah. up it's not real. But. It's not real. But like you don't know that. Like that's, you're just well, you're so trusting. That's and so the open. age of the internet <laughs> that was going on, where yeah. like the internet was finally accessible to everyone mm-hmm. or any you know like yeah. to the masses for the most part, and no one really knew that it was like yeah, fake. Like you could use Photoshop or like oh, for sure editing softwares to edit, photos. or even just put a fucking Halloween decoration on a snowy bench and put it in black and white and call it a day. You know right. what I mean? Like, no, like we were so susceptible yeah. to being like. <gasps> but that one, the Russian experiment, I I think the Russian sleep experiment one is my favorite just because it, it is so well written yes. and it's still like it still holds up to this day where no, others like people still think like stumble across it and like oh my god yeah some people like, like but people think thought it was real I know I'm one like, of those people with uh. Uh, ben drowned and i do remember people also thought squidward's suicide was real because that one is about mm. like a lost episode of spongebob yeah. and so people then tried to I go find it, it the lost episodes were the some best. of my some of my favorites because like it's just so funny yeah um but the pokemon ones they never caught on as much as something like ben drowned well right that's a family-friendly ip so it's a little there are others like there obviously ben drowned is legend of zelda right um and i like to me the ones that are around I equate them, they're fan fiction, right? Like, the creepypasta yeah. is, like, it's just fan fiction if it's not an original story at the end of the day. Um, so, like, I went and I remembered, I was like, oh, my God, they have those creepypastas. And I love a good creepypasta. Again, they have such a soft place in my heart because mm-hmm. it was the first foray into horror that I got because I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. Like, I didn't really know. Like, I didn't know about the Marble Hornets or what was on YouTube at the time because right. I was just getting into it. And it was just, like, stumbling upon creepypasta. It was just, like 
what is all of this? And, like, not all of them are good. In the same way that, like, the no sleeps or the two, the two sentence horrors, like, not all of them are fucking good. But they always have the ones that just, like, rise up above the rest. Right. Um, so I wanted to just, like, pick out some of the creepypastas, the Pokemon creepypastas that, like, I remember vividly. Mm-hmm. I did some research on them, and then I'm going to read them to you. Okay. Because they're short and they're sweet. They're about 10 minutes each, um, so it's not going to take a bunch of time. But, like, I just, for the spooky holiday that is Halloween, wanted to go back into my childhood and take out some Pokemon creepypastas to ruin your childhood. Okay. Well, well, we'll see about (laughs) that. Don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. So the first one that I'm talking about is the Unknown Curse, a Pokemon creepypasta. So, unknown, the symbol Pokemon. Um, They were created by Ken Sugimori for the 1999 Game Boy games Pokemon Gold and Silver. And unknown began as as an alien-type Pokemon. Mm -hmm. But when the artist began to sketch them, they started to look more like letters of the alphabet. uh, And the Pokemon eventually became psychic types. So, they didn't become this, like, weird alien, like, ooh, Mm -hmm. anymore. But they always have, like, an essence of, like, what the fuck are those things? Right. (laughs) You don't belong here. No. I mean, even in the game, they're, like, they can only be found in one location. Like, they're kind of weird. They're not, like, powerful by any means, but you want to, like, collect them all. Mm -hmm. Like, in some games, you do get, like, a a special reward, but even then, you don't even really get, like, a lot (laughs) out of, like, collecting all of these guys. Right. Um, but there are 28 types of unknown, mimicking the letters of the modern Latin, Latin alphabet, as well as the exclamation and the question marks that were added in later. Mm-hmm. So because the Pokemon is shaped like ancient writing, it is a mystery whether unknown predates or postdates written language, and therefore which one is based on the other. Okay. So was language based on unknown, or did unknown, this alien species, come and base themselves on the written language? Mm-hmm. The Pokedex and Professor Oak's research disagree on whether Unknown communicates using electromagnetic waves or telepathy, mm-hmm. but it can be detected on the Pokegear radio, which interprets it as a melody of the Azure flute. Okay. Because of their very timid and careful nature, Unknown do not want to go out to the external world and therefore can be found stuck to walls like engravings of ancient texts. And that's what I'm talking about. Like in the games, you can only find them in like the ruins of Elf or like this weird cave off the side of just like this small town in like the Diamond and Pearl games. Right. So it is said that an quote, odd power emerges more when the unknown come together. So in black, uh, it's Pokemon black and white Pokedex entries state, when alone, nothing happens. However, if there are two or more, an odd power is said to emerge. Great numbers of unknown are capable of distorting reality to suit the dreams and wishes of whoever is in control of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Unknown being weak alone and strong together may be inspired by the idea that a single letter cannot convey much information, but many letters forming a sentence can communicate a hypothetically infinite numbers of interpretations and ideas. So specifically about the creepypasta, I don't know anything about the unknown curse or the curse of the unknown king or the unknown king's curse. Or any of the many other names that I found it listed under. Okay. Who it was written by when there's not a lot of information. So if you know anything, I would love to know. <laughs> if you have, like, any any information of, like, I remember when I read this. Or, like, I know who wrote this. I would love to know. Because I couldn't find any information about, like, where this creepypasta hmm. came from. Interesting. Um, but it is a very classic video game creepypasta about a haunted cartridge gory images of childhood favorites so i put it around the time of like ben drowned um I think that's fair. which ben drowned came out between september 7th to the 15th of 2010 so it could be around 2010 or maybe a couple years afterwards and before i get started 
I did want to mention another unknown fan theory that I thought was interesting and like horrifying. <laughs> and that is that unknown are human victims. Oh. This is a fan theory that states that unknown are actually victims of nuclear war. This theory is based on the fact that unknown are the only Pokemon that can be found in the ruins of Alf, a location in Pokemon Gold and Silver. In the ruins, there are markings of unknown etched into the walls, but in the Space World demo, which was the demo of the game before it was released, the markings are different. Instead of unknown, the player can find symbols including two human figures and a fireball of meteorite of some sort. Some players believe that the unknown are etched into the wall, symbolizing the phenomenon that is shadows burning into sidewalks or buildings due to nuclear war, such as Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Hmm. When the atomic bomb was dropped, the intense light and heat from the bomb encapsulated everything in the surrounded area, except for objects and people that shielded the surface behind them. The surrounding light then bleached the concrete or stone around the individual, making the area of the building stay the same as it was, leaving nothing but a dark shadow behind. There is also an unknown radio in the game, gold and silver, that will play sounds when the player steps inside the ruins. Some fans compares the sound that it makes to a Geiger counter, which is an electronic instrument used right. to detect or measure. I think we've all heard a Geiger before. I think so. If not, I'll play it. a sound. I hate the sound of a Geiger. Really? Yeah. Is it upsetting it, to you? or It is, like, viscerally upsetting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is completely off topic, but, like, there are certain things that, like, when I hear, I have, like, a physical bodily reaction mm-hmm. to them, and that is one of those things. Like, I watched the Chernobyl thing on HBO, Yeah. and there's a bunch of scenes that mm-hmm. use the Geiger, and it's just something, like, it makes me feel something in the back of my throat. Not like I'm sure. going to cry back of like that. Feeling, but like something's wrong. But like I get this feeling in the back of my throat and at the back of my head that like, like I can feel the mm-hmm. ticks of when it goes off. And I just like hate that yeah. feeling. There's very few sounds that actually do that for mm-hmm. me. And then there's other things that just like make me like so upset, yeah. like physically uncomfortable. Like the Geiger counter is like something that I physically feel. Yeah in my body and i have such an uncomfortable feeling that when i listen to it like i don't know if it's like a subconscious thing mm-hmm. that like my body knows that that, that means that, that there's something wrong yeah. here like i shouldn't be here yeah. or if it's just like this isn't only me mm-hmm. thing ha- that happens or if like multiple people have this sensation that happens because there's a few sounds that like i will yeah. feel in my body sure that i'm just like i i can't <laughs> i can't listen to these yeah no i think that's fair so yeah, there's the Geiger counter uh-huh. explanation. And then because of the Space World demo, we know that Gold and Silver map was heavily based on Japan mm. and its various cities before it was changed to the final version that it is now. And some believe that the ruins of ALF are meant to represent Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the unknown were the many victims there. Mm. So that's just a theory, but I thought it was just an unknown theory. Unknown are just really fucking weird-ass Pokemon. I like them. I think they're cute in a weird way. Just one little eye. Yeah. Yeah. They're slow. Okay, so here is the curse of the unknown king. Mm-hmm. 
This is the story of what happened to me last Christmas. It was about 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. My parents were away from home as they were busy partying at my grandparents' house. They said that they would not return until Christmas morning. The only reason as to why I did not accompany them was because I was feeling ill at the time. So there I was, sitting alone in my house with a fever of 37 and a half, watching TV. As I sat there bored, the doorbell to my house suddenly rang out, startling me a bit. I wasn't expecting any visitors at this hour, and I was certain that it couldn't have been my parents since my grandparents' town was about an hour and a half long drive from where we lived. Along with that, they had called me once they had arrived, which wasn't too long ago. I peeked my eye to the peephole in the door, trying to clarify who was there. Yet, strangely, there was no one... Or nothing. I assumed that it was nothing more than some drunken joker pranking people on Christmas Eve. I swung the door open, mustering the energy to shout to the open night when I noticed a strange package on my doorstep. I guess Santa came a day early, I thought to myself. I picked up the package, a bit wary of the fact that someone would take it if I left it out there, whoever that would be. I held the package gleefully, wondering what waited on the inside. However, my mood sank a bit once I had gotten a better look at it. Bringing it inside, I opened the package up and found a small envelope inside which read, Keep this. I don't want it anymore. Next to a copy of Pokemon Silver. T'was a shame that someone would simply give this away, something like this, especially if they had just grown out of it. But my dampened mood didn't linger for very long, as at the time, I was still excited. I remember having good memories with the original Pokemon Silver, even though my Game Boy's internal battery drainage made it impossible for me to save any of my progress. I grabbed my old Game Boy Advance SP, popped the cartridge in, and started the game up. Though, once the game had started up, I noticed that there was a bit more to the envelope that had accompanied it. Inside, I found a little note, displaying instructions that I had to follow. Even to this day, I've kept that note around, along with that horrid cartridge. It read, Hello. If you are reading this, then it is because you now hold my copy of Pokemon Silver. Since I had given it to you, I ask that you please continue the game to the point that these steps guide you to. Once you've completed that, you're free to play the game as you wish. Well, he did gift it to me, so what less could I do for him, I thought to myself. I continued reading the note. 1. Do not start a new game. Continue off of my saved file. I have captured the three legendary dogs, and I have given the GS ball to Caesar. As soon as you talk to him, you can capture Celebi. Apart from Celebi, I have already captured 248 Pokemon, excluding Lugia and Ho-Oh. Please capture them and complete the Pokedex. Lucky me, I exclaimed. He had served me practically everything on a gold platter. Or rather, a silver platter. I had never witnessed a complete Pokedex before, so I went right to work on finishing it. Before any of that, though, I took a quick second to survey the file's data. The trainer's name was Susedge, which I found a bit strange at first. But after this experience, I wished that I hadn't learned of its significance. His team consisted of a Houndoom, Lapras, and Slowbro at levels 66, 32, and 63, respectively. The other half included a Sandshrew, Abra, and Pidgey, all at very low levels. I assumed that he wasn't using the XP share for them. Along with this, he obtained all 16 badges and had unlimited money. The playtime was 662 hours and 50 minutes, leading me to believe that the original owner had used some cheating device. Finally, the Pokegear was ticking at around 11.50pm on Sunday, which, coincidentally, was the same time and day I was playing the game. Once I had understood what I was working with, I finally began to play the game. First, I caught Celebi, as the file was saved in Azalea Town, and that was the closest Pokemon to me. 
I talked to Caesar, received the GS ball, headed to Ilex Forest Shrine, placed the ball in there, and the battle against Celebi began. I felt the excitement swell up as capturing a Celebi was only possible through certain events. After growing tired of throwing Pokeballs, I finally caught it with a Master Ball out of the three that I had, and a message appeared. Celebi was transferred to Pandora's box in Bill's PC. Pandora's box. I took it as nothing more than just a joke. I'm sure that everyone has heard the story of Pandora's box, a Greek myth said to release a horde of demons when opened and condemned the world. Disregarding it entirely, as this could have just been another prank, I continued on and caught the other two legendaries. Using the last two Master Balls, it was rather easy to capture them. Once I had all of the remaining legendaries captured, and thus having the Pokedex completed, I continued reading the instructions that the former owner gave me. 2. Now that you have captured all of the legendaries, create the following team. Mew, Celebi, Ho-Oh, Lugia, Suicune, and Moltres. Wait for the Pokegear to mark 3 a.m. before performing the next step. It was one o'clock in the morning for me, and since the game was marked at the same time as the real time, I had no choice but to stay awake until then. I didn't mind, as I was having too much fun playing the game. I went to talk with Oak, evaluated the Pokedex, and received the certificate, signifying that I had completed it. While I was at it, I defeated Red atop Mount Silver as well. Afterward, I checked the PC once more, and to my surprise, I found four missing no. Strange. I continued to goof around until I realized that it was 2.45 a.m., I read the next step. When it hits 3 a.m., head to the ruins of Alf. Enter the main chamber and go to the last statue following the corridor down. When in front of it, play unknown radio and speak to it. I began to make my way to the ruins of Alf, taking the magnet train as I was in the Kanto region at the time. I didn't rush, though, as I had plenty of time. By the time I had arrived, it was 2.58 a.m. For the next two minutes, I stood in front of the statue, already playing the unknown radio. Needless to say, the noise began to make me quite nervous. Once the Pokegear finally hit 3 a.m., I spoke to the statue. It made the cry of a Pokemon, but it didn't sound like one that I had known of. One by one, text boxes began to appear. Mew is gone. Its cry rang out. Celebi is gone. These cries continued on until each one of my Pokemon had been named out, and once it was all over, one last text box appeared. The sacrifice of your team has made way for the liberation of the unknown king. Once I had closed the text box, the entire screen went black for a few seconds, leaving me sitting in complete silence. Once things began to reappear, I was greeted to a Pokedex page of a Pokemon I had never seen or heard of before. It appeared to be a conglomeration of unknowns crafted into one beastly monstrosity. I read the Pokedex entry aloud, quivering a bit in uneasiness. This ferocious beast is capable of sleeping for many centuries, and when it awakens, it will kill anything for food. The thing had no Pokedex number, and its cry was exactly that of what I heard of when I first spoke to it. I looked at the beast once more, observing it entirely. Like unknown, it was dark blue, but only resembled one of them on the head, where it protruded three spikes as if it had a crown of some sort. Along with this, it had three eyes, the one on its head much bigger and even more unnerving. Unlike the common unknown, however, this creature had a body, legs and arms stained red with what I assumed was nothing else but blood. Heavily uncomfortable, I closed the Pokedex and suddenly found myself face to face with the horror that I could hardly even bring myself to call a Pokemon. Another text box appears as it read, You have freed the beast. Once I had closed the text box, the game saved all on its own. It was only until now that I had realized the significance of the file's playtime. 666 hours. 
I went straight to my Poke Gear and found that my Pokemon were still missing. A strong sense of hopelessness suddenly washed over me, making me forget entirely that I could very easily just shut off the game. I rushed out of the ruins of Alf and headed straight for Violet City, hoping that I would find the other legendaries still in my PC. Although it wasn't until that I had entered the Pokemon Center that I realized that no matter where I went, the strange and eerie unknown radio tune continued to play. Tacking onto the fear that I felt, all of the patients in the center had completely vanished, leaving me alone once more. I opened the PC box, finding that a majority of them had suddenly been filled entirely out of nowhere. In Pandora's box, I found two Pokemon left. A Staryu at level 20, and the Sandshrew from before. The paranoia struck as I began to wander around the rest of the Johto region, finding no one but myself. Not in the cities, not on the routes, not even in the houses. Hesitantly, I read the next step of the note. Four, wait for the call. The call? Whose call? Confused as to who or what I was waiting for, I checked the Pokegear only to find that Elm and my mother were the only ones there. I attempted to call Professor Elm, but it only warranted a text box. Looks like he's not answering. The same message occurred when I attempted to ring my mother as well. It had become 3.30 a.m. and I still had not received a call from anyone. Not a single soul could be found in the Johto region. Neither the people in the cities nor wild Pokemon in the grasses. Finally, my Pokegear began to ring. Picking up, it was from my mother as she spoke. Son, please come home quickly! Before she could even continue, the unknown king's cry rang out and the call was cut. Between the feelings of dread that the game was establishing in me and the fever that I was already currently suffering from, a sickness began to build in my gut. Amongst my horror, the ideas of shutting off the console once again was flooded away. Along with this, I couldn't help but feel a sense of curiosity as to what would happen next. I made my way to New Barktown, entering my house and once again finding it empty. However, on the wall furthest back, I noticed what appeared to be a note on the wall. I approached it and read, Five. And finally, go see Oak. Before doing so, I took one last opportunity and searched the Pokemon lab for any signs of life. My expectations were exactly as I had imagined it. No one was there. Truly, not a single being in all of Johto. With nobody to turn to, I was unable to use the fairy or magnet train. It was then that I realized the importance of the Staryu and Sandshrew that I had taken out of Pandora's box. I had to surf to Kanto on my own. Once I had arrived, I once more tested to see if anyone had remained in the disappearance. And to my surprise, I could only find Mr. Fuji tucked away in his house in Lavender Town. However, when I spoke to him, all he responded with was, I've been very busy lately. It was only until now that I had realized what was happening here. I reflected back on the Unknown King's dex entry, and when it awakens, it will kill anything for food. As I left what could have very much been one of the last remaining survivors in the world, I made my way to Pallet Town. I had arrived rather quickly as I was unable to fly, but didn't have to bother with trainer battles or wild encounters. Not to much surprise, I was unable to find anyone, neither in Red's house nor Blue's. I entered Oak's lab with nothing but the tune of the unknown radio ringing out through my Game Boy speakers. Yet, where Oak once stood, instead sat alone, unknown. I figured that I had to talk to it, so I approached it and pressed A. My stomach churned as the unknown king's cry blasted forth and I found myself initiating battle against the abomination. The beast towered at a humongous level 100, equipped with leftovers for healing. It wiped out my two Pokemon in no time, but once my only two members were weakened, the battle continued, with my trainer entering the field. I was at level 10, and I already knew that I was not going to be able to do anything against it. 
Just this once, I thought about turning off the console, but I felt too faint, as I, for some reason, thought better of it. If I had ended it here, then I would never witness something like this again. At the end of the day, it was just a game. What could happen to me? My trainer only knew one move, but it never got to use it as the unknown king attacked first. It used bite and my trainer was defeated. Sus Edge is dead. The screen went black for a few seconds before a sprite of a man dressed in black appeared. Much like how professors appear at the beginning of the game, he told me the following. Sus Edge, you just freed the beast and doomed the human race. I could not have done it without you. The screen went black once again, and after a minute, the normal game intro started, with Lugia swimming across the ocean floor. The previous game was not saved. I could only start a new file. It was already 4.30 a.m., so I finally turned off the console and attempted to sleep as my sickness, fatigue, and terror mixed within me. The experience haunted me, granting me the nightmare of being the unknown king, wandering the world for my next victim. I still don't know if this was just some morbid joke or if it really was some supernatural phenomenon, but what I do know is that I spent a month without stopping to think about it, and every time I remember it, my hairs stand on end. Even now, from time to time, I still have nightmares about it. I am also positive that it was truly satanic from what I had experienced. Three in the morning was Lucifer's time, which had just conceded with 666 hours of gameplay. Sasej is Jesus in reverse. And not to mention the release of the beast. Satan's hour. The witching hour. I've been, uh, the witching hour. Yeah. That's the one that I've heard. And that is the unknown king. The curse of the unknown king. Unknown's king curse. Whatever you want to say yeah. about it. I was expecting around. more from the ending. Yeah. Gonna be real with you. Like, mm-hmm. it was good. Like, the setup was good. And even getting into the cave and, like, everything yeah. like that, it was like, oh, okay. Like, I know where this is going. I thought it was gonna be sure. even For more sure. than that. Especially at the end where he was like, I went to bed and I couldn't stop thinking yeah. about it. I thought there was gonna be a little bit more. <laughs> And then he was like, nothing, Jesus, backwards. It's like, yes. Okay. That's right. one of the things where, like, it is a very I mean, cheesy but, but most creepy creepypasta where it's like 666 hours of gameplay. I know, as soon as you were like 662 and a half hours, <laughs> I was like, fucking okay. You have okay. to wait until 3 a.m. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's of course like, you time that perfectly. That if you have yeah. to wait that exact amount of time. BS, sorry. Oh yeah, no, you're totally right. It is very like a treat, but it's like so close to my heart. No, I know. That's funny. Because it is just the epiph like the it's just everything that creepypasta was of just like Listen. Yeah. There have been many people petitioning for more Pokemon horror yes. based content, and I'm one hundred percent on board. Mm-hmm. Especially after reading like, I used to never read Pokédex entrances. Oh, yeah. I was, like, so bored. And, like, yeah. I was a kid that I was just, like, button smash. Let me get anything <laughs> I can get my hands on. So it wasn't until very recently that, like, I learned about uh, the... Uh, what's the balloon? The Drifloon? That, yeah, like, the Drifloon. They just away. grab kids and, like, go. And it's yeah. like, oh, fuck. And Pokemon <laughs> sometimes leads into the creepy. Like, do you remember in X and Y where they had that ghost girl right. in the one no, building? No, it was great. That's yes. the thing. It's like, I love it, but they have to keep it family friendly. I know. So they only lean into it so much. And then it's like, just fan, fan theories because it's really not supposed to be anything. Well, right, because Gengar yeah. and, like, all that and Haunter. And there's so many cool horror mm-hmm. things that Pokemon absolutely could do yes and even things that aren't horror like i remember 
this was very big, like kind of during COVID or mm-hmm. around COVID years. There was an animator that posted like what it would look like to like chop Pokemon up, yeah, to, to eat yeah. because in their world, that's probably what they would mm-hmm. do to it. Well, to, even Junji uh, Ito had his Pokemon collection of like the the Gengar right. and the the Bayonet. And it's great. Like yeah, it's great. It's such a good setting mm-hmm. to have that. In. And I know everyone can say that about many genres, like For Star sure. Wars definitely should have more horror content yeah. like i can't imagine the horror shit that star wars would offer right or any sci-fi setting that doesn't already have horror mm-hmm. implemented but pokemon is one of those things yeah. that it's just like it's so interesting yeah. to think about well i don't think like it would it would already be interesting because it is just like a very odd world of like pokemon which is right. already like what the fuck but then they do give you those morsels of trinkling horrible like every once in a while why are the why is this pokedex actually so weird or like, like even the cubones it's just like yes that's fucking morbid mm-hmm. the fact that someone wrote that out and you approved that to publish yeah. for children yes god damn where's the school of its dead mother Huh? Oh, okay. Even just the whole of Lavender Town. Like, there's no way you created Lavender Town. Right. <laughs> and I mean, uh, granted, that was like 90s, 2000s, where people were less strict about what yeah. their kids were watching and consuming mm-hmm. because they weren't paying attention because they right. didn't know to pay attention. So, like, I understand, but it would be super cool. And I don't think Game Freak would ever, mm-hmm. or Nintendo would ever. Yeah approve something like that because god, no. god i watched the super mario movie finally mm-hmm. they, they just would never yeah oh all. absolutely but it, it is very interesting but that's why about. we have creepypasta artists and we have fan video games out there we're just like you know what i am gonna do that for you um anyways so. i wanted to show you some of the photos that they made for the unknown king so that's oh. like the pokedex entry that's not at all what i was thinking it looked like when mm-hmm. you were describing With arms it. and legs i was expecting it to be like a stick figure the way that the <laughs> unknown are actually drawn <laughs> instead of like a thick boy yeah i see so there's that one there is the battle with the unknown wild unknown king appears oh that's cool yeah and then here i don't know where this came from i don't know if it was original art or what but it's like the it's the art that travels around with this creepypasta oh, it definitely looks early it definitely has the 2000s yes. art style of like a, an elder teen yes happened to draw this but like that's slay yeah that's cool that's like that's this specific the art which okay. i'll be putting on instagram is the art that travels around this one with like the boy from at his knees looking up at this like horrifying creature i'm sure i've seen this before and i never like realized what it was I yeah was like, oh, that's weird but anyways nice. talking about pokemon with ho- absolutely horrifying pokedex entries my next creepypasta is about hypno okay known as the hypnosis pokemon hypno is a psychic type introduced in generation one Hypno is able to put people to sleep by swinging its pendulum, and it is known to reside away from humans and on less traveled roads. But if anyone comes by, Hypno will hypnotize them and eat their dreams. Mm-hmm. This Pokemon has... And another one that's just like, unless you read the Pokédex, you're like, oh, that's a cool Pokemon. Yeah. Very nice. Terrifying. No, absolutely. Horrifying. Like, you would never want to... No. Same thing, I think it's Haunter or Gengar, but there's one of them where it's like, if you see them, basically you're dead. Run. Like, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, there's even the ones, I think it's the Pumpkaboos or whatever, that are like, oh, those are spirits of dead children that have found their ways inside No, like, they're, they're, they're just like, they don't even play around anymore. No. They're like, yep, we're FNAFing it now. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. And I'm supposed to pretend this is normal? Like, it's not even horror. It's just I'm supposed to pretend this is normal? So anyways, this Pokemon, like you said, ripe. 
ripe for the horror mm-hmm, pickings mm-hmm. as a creepy Pokemon. And the game designers themselves did not shy away from this. Game designers based aspects of Hypno's behavior off of various fairies, goblins, boogeymans, and other supernatural entities. I mean, you can see it in, in the, European in the folklore. Design. Yeah. And its fire red Pokedex entry reads, it carries a pendulum-like device. There was once an incident in which it took away a child. It hypnotized. I'm assuming that's what our creepypasta is about. This led fans to theorize that Hypno was a child kidnapper. Okay. <laughs> they said all... one instance and they were like, there's a whole gang. They're all child kidnappers. <laughs> you cannot trust your child around a Hypno. I guess. To be fair, I wouldn't either. Like, they're the size of, like, a human person. That's, they look weird. That's the thing, too, is, like, I've never really thought about how big Pokemon... Yes. Because I'm always like, oh, the tiny ones. They're no. so cute. Lap Pokemon. No. Like a Snorlax, I think I'd freak if I saw one like in person. I'd like I had to look up. Yeah, and be like, oh. I mean, same thing for like. I mean, no one really like talks about but, like Mr. Mime. That's the size of a human. I disgusting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like her and like Jinx. Was it Jinx? Yeah, Jinx. I, yeah, Jinx scared Jinx me. Jinx has as her a kid. own problems with being like a racial stereotype. One hundred percent. But she is also terrifying. She, I, her design scared me yeah. so much as a kid. Like I refused to like interact mm-hmm. with her in the games. I was like, I can't. I can't get me away from her. Yeah. Away, far, 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 far away. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, and the theory of Hypno being a child kidnapper only intensified when Pokemon released official merch of Hypno holding its pendulum in front of it and leading. Two children to God knows where. Why would they do that? <laughs> it's like a t-shirt, dude. Good. Listen, I've been to the Pokemon Center uh-huh. in Tokyo before. There was some weird yeah. stuff in there where it's, I was like, why? This it's is literally like merchandise. Hypno holding out the pendulum and then like holding a little child's hand. And there's like another, there's like two children okay. and just like. Well, like I get that they're like, oh, it's cutesy. Like it's uh-huh. hard. But like it w- once you read the, the Pokedex entry, then you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a completely different I don't know meaning. if they tried because this was generation one. This was first where they were right. like, we're, we're starting with being like one time it kidnapped a child. Right. Like that was from the jump. So I don't know if it tried to like reclaim hypno's reputation at one point because they did try to be like hypno helps medical facilities by putting people to sleep so like and they were trying to like help the reputation that that also probably came from like people i don't think they expected everyone to like read so heavily into the pokedex so i'm sure once the internet became a thing people were like hey what the fuck let me point out this thing that's like very odd Mm -hmm. and strange and yeah. we don't like like I'm sure someone threw it in there as an Easter egg to be like haha yes children haha hypnotized because you know going about a very first game in a franchise right I mean right. like Yellow was the very first one but you know what I mean where it's like oh we're gonna do something a little creepy I you know, know little, without even, thinking too much about it even then like the only time I've ever run into like a proper person who's done hypnosis mm-hmm. or hypnotizes people is like at the ren fair yes and anytime they do that they're like anyone over the age of 18 for sure like they refuse to do kids and i understand that like legality reasons one but also two young minds yeah very susceptible yeah so i'm sure a writer in and the anything with room, children i mean they did the same thing with driftloon driftloon did not come around until like gen four or f- four right so it's like they're just doing it all over again with driftloon where they're like it takes children Sprinkle. and carries it away well, it also gets attention and people yeah. are more interested so they're like okay we'll yeah. throw you a bone every once and i mean while. it does help that they do have ghost types and ghosts are already inherently creepy right. so then they're just like all right we're gonna just fuck around with you know they always have one ghost type every game that's like that not okay not okay that is don't not like. okay don't like 
So it also didn't help with an Easter egg in Ultra Sun and Moon with a journal that can be found in a schoolhouse reading February 12th. I stayed at school playing until really late, and then a hypno appeared. The new kid went home with the hypno. Apparently the hypno came to pick her up. Hmm. So they like, little Easter egg. Uh, yeah, that's very, I love, I love it. I love it when companies do this. Mm-hmm. Any any company with any piece of lore. And yeah. I know, like, everyone... This is popularized by FNAF and, like, FromSoft. Oh, for sure. But, like, giving us just the context and not saying it outright yeah. is my favorite way to, like, yeah. tell a story. So... There was also that slight, in Pokemon Arceus. There was, like, one side quest with the Drifloon. It. There is, like, one side quest with the Drifloon that, like, you find a Drifloon with a child and you're, like going on here? <laughs> what's going and it only you can only do the side quest like at night like they mm. they knew what they were doing that's funny they knew what they were doing but since then fans have spent countless of hours making hypno as creepy as possible even creating the creepypasta hypno's lullaby Hypno's Lullaby is a creepypasta with kind of confusing origins. I found some sources saying that it was written by Stephen Winters. Others said it was written by Liliana Vess. Some say it's totally anonymous. Um, I don't know who it was posted by. Again, if there's any information, would love to know. Um, I do know that it was posted on August 10th of 2010, and it tells the tale of Hypno and a boy named Preston. And its own mod Hypno's for Friday inspired Funkin. many other and I just creatives want it and other writers Funkin. to tell their own stories <laughs> about Hypno. A game, There's it's a fanfiction like titled it's Pokemon like Hypno's yes, Lullaby a by Wraith Rain, posted to fanfiction.net on May 26, 2012. And the story also got a fan-made video game ROM hack of Pokemon Fire Red in 2013. Soon within the next yeah. year, I think they got fully funded. Like two I years think it's ago. so funny that you know about this game, I but love, also you I love, love rhythm games. I love rhythm games. So <laughs> as soon as like it became popular, I was like, "Of course, I'm going to play Friday Night Funkin'." Yeah. So they have a, a mod that's called Friday Night Funkin' Lullaby oh, that just revolves around Pokemon creepypasta, including Hypno's Lullaby, Easter Egg, Snow on Mount Silver, Lost Silver, and Buried Alive. And Masigno is also present, even though it's not one of, like, the levels. Mm-hmm. And the Unknown King also has a mod in the game that was added later. And as I say, you can play them on online at friday-nightfunkin.io. But yeah, the other ones that I mentioned, Snow on Mount Silver, Lost Silver, Masigno, are also, like, pretty popular right. creepypastas. There's also a very popular creepypasta about Lavender Town, Avi... I think everyone's heard about it. Yeah. One. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something about Drifloon, you know, something creepy I'm and sure, shit. I'm sure since more stuff has popped up, more people have been writing. Yeah. Um, and there's also a fan-made song, also of the same name, that I will be playing after the story. Posted on November 19th, 2010 by Trainer Derek on YouTube, and it currently sits at 4.3 million views. The song was written to follow the story afterwards, performed by an anonymous singer, with slightly different lyrics than the ones that appeared in the story. The music accompanying the lyrics is the Lavender Town theme from Red and Green, which I said also has its own creepypasta story. That's not fair, Jimmy cried, slamming his large gray Nintendo DS shut. You cheat! I told you never to use your Blastoids! His level is too high! 
Preston smirked, though Jimmy's voice made him glance at a metallic picnic table across the playground, where Miss Henson sat reading some book. I don't really want her to take my game away, he thought. He closed his smaller blue DS so that the Pokeball sticker showed in the front and tucked it between his legs just in case she looked up. No one likes you, you Pokemon freak, Jimmy said. His limbs shook and his face turned red. For a minute, Preston thought Jimmy looked like the red version of a Hulk. He felt a smile coming on but forced it back. Any more attention would alert Miss Hinson. Jimmy just stood over him, fist clenched, but finally just walked away. Preston sighed, tucking the game system into his pocket. Kids played shark in the sandbox and swung one another on swings. Preston sighed, staring at them, and then turned away. He had a lot of friends, after all. Pokemon. So he brushed dirt off his Pokemon shirt with Ash and Pikachu and sat under the tree nearest the forest on the outskirts of the playground. Acorns hid in the gold and orange leaf-littered ground, and as Preston sat, his back scraped against the tree trunk. The boy cast another glance at his teacher before he took the DS out of his shorts pocket. He opened it and pressed the power button, but stopped when he caught something out of the corner of his eye. At first glance, it looked like a yellow speck. Though the more Preston looked at it, it looked more like a hypno. Hmm. Preston blinked, expecting for the image to be gone, but there it sat, swinging its pendulum, a gray stone with a hollowed center attached to a string, to and fro. Its cat-like ears perked up, and a long nose was nestled between two squinted eyes. Oh, Preston said, placing his DS on the ground and slowly getting up. The hypno sat as it was, watching its pendulum go back and forth. Preston crept towards it, making sure that his foot rose high enough and fell gently as to not make a sound. Whenever the Pokemon glanced in the Preston's direction, he darted behind a tree. They are real. I knew it. If only I had a Pokeball. The closer the boy got, the more he noticed some things about Hypno. The first was that the Pokemon's face looked rough and paper-like, almost as though if it were made of... What was it Miss Histon helped us make our Halloween masks out of? Paper mache? And its eyes were more set back, as though Hypno wore a mask. His skin looked more like a yellow long sleeve shirt and pants, but he wore no shoes. He kind of looks like Hypno, Preston thought, but no more had he thought than he realized everything looks different in a cartoon than in reality, like how Tom and Jerry look goofier than a regular cat and mouse. Preston's foot fell on a twig. The piece of wood broke with a resounding snap. The Pokemon looked up at the boy, its pendulum coming to a halt. Preston froze. A breeze seemed to carry the sound of the other children off, so it seemed that only the boy and the Pokemon remained. He expected the Hypno to run, but all it did was tilt its head to the side. Come, little child, come with me. Safe and happy you will be, the Pokemon sang, though its squeaky voice was hardly higher than a whisper. Preston's eyes widened. You can talk, the boy said. You don't even move your mouth. I'm a psychic type Pokemon, Hypno said. I don't need to speak to talk. With that, he raised a hand and poked his head. Oh, Preston said. Away from home, now let us run, Hypno sang, once more extending a hand. With Hypno, you'll have so much fun. Preston smiled, taking a step forward. Finally, he had a real-life Pokemon. He could live with Hypno and help train him. Maybe I can even catch more Pokemon with Hypno's help. Preston! Hypno's eyes narrowed with its deep eye holes. Miss Henson had her hands around her mouth calling for the boy. Preston raised a hand and turned to follow the other kids back to the primary school when he glanced back. Hypno was gone. Preston grabbed his DS and rushed back to class with his classmates, though his thoughts remained on the playground. When the class moved on with the day, taking turns doing activities like drawing or playing math games, Preston snuck over to the window and stared off into the woods. There was nothing but swaying trees, 
dumb Miss Hinston, the boy thought. She scared Hypno away. The thought made his eyes water, but he forced them back. He wouldn't cry. Preston blinked a few times, though when he opened his eyes again and focused them, just at the edge of the trees, he notices Hypno standing with a slight stoop, swinging his pendulum back and forth. You were such a fucking idiot, Preston heard his mother through his bedroom walls. He turned up the volume on his game, laying his head back and holding a console above his head. Why, because I want to leave this place, his dad says. Preston placed his DS aside and glanced over at the clock on his bedside table. The clock in the grip of the plastic Pikachu said 1034 in the glow of the dark numbers. Music blared from the game, though he still heard his parents as though they were in the same room. So you want to take him away? The one place he's grown up in. You want to take him away from that? He's only eight years old, for fuck's sake. Preston rolled off his Pokemon bedspread, allowing his eyes to adjust after playing his video game for close to three hours straight. Pokemon posters covered the wall. The only thing that separated them were the slivers of light blue wall. He thought of putting on a movie. Maybe that could be louder than the fighting. But then again, he was supposed to be sleeping. Maybe he could draw, but that would need light. Play with his action figures? It made too much noise and also needed light. So he just sighed, hopped back into bed, and tucked himself back into bed. Preston held the DS back over his head, the light of the game allowing him to see the cuffs of his fleeced Pokemon pajamas. Tomorrow will be better, he thought. It's Halloween and the field trip to the caves. A smile crawled across his lips, and he noticed that the game was the only noise he heard, and his tense little body relaxed. As though on cue, he felt his eyelids get heavy. Preston moved a hand to turn the DS off, but stopped. He put his game on pause and then opened his Pokedex, the compendium of all the monsters he had caught in the game. He scrolled down the long list until the cursor highlighted Pokemon number 96. A hypno appeared on the screen with its yellow skin, squinty eyes, and pendulum. Preston read the description. It carries a pendulum-like device. There was once an incident in which it took a child away. It hypnotized. I wish you would take me away, Preston said. He turned off his game, placed it on the bedside table, and closed his eyes. All right, everyone, Miss Hinson said. Be careful. These caves are very dangerous, so stay behind me and watch where you walk. Preston took to the end of the line of children, looking around the towering pines around them. The gold light of autumn shined through the leaves, and the smell of grass and dirt filled him. They walked around a large hole in the ground, which they found as they passed, was a cave. The day shined in from an opening at the bottom, and the children craned their necks to see the gray stone a yard away. The ground sloped downwards, and as they reached the bottom of the cave's mouth, stood ready to welcome them. Miss Hinston entered with the others following her. All of them craned their necks up to see the huge hole that they had just passed. Preston smiled. He had expected the caves to be more like they are in the game. Brown, geometric, precise. Miss Hudson muttered something about noticing how they could see erosion wear the rocks down. Preston didn't listen, just gazed up and around. His gaze fell to the cave opening. He thought he saw a flash of yellow in the woods. Around midday, the class took out their lunches. Preston found a particularly leafy piece of ground and plopped down. He laid out the tin, Pokemon lunchbox, he had retrieved from the bus and opened it. Inside lay a peanut butter and jelly sandwich stuffed into a baggie and a box of Minute Maid apple juice. He sighs. Why does his mom keep making the same lunch? Nevertheless, Preston grunted and picked up his plastic wrap sandwich. She's poor. Sorry. I, no, I, you're I, good. I, no, yeah. I couldn't eat peanut butter and jellies. That's all I ate every day. Yeah. K through six. Could not eat them for years. I think so, that's like, fair. I understand you. A kinship with yeah. Preston. Real. Psst. Preston glanced around, looking for one who psst him. But everyone else paid him no mind. 
couldn't have come from behind, he thought. There was nothing but woods behind him. Again, Preston sighed. Probably just for someone else. He felt a knot tighten in his chest. Preston looked up, envying all the children who talked or played together. It was times like these where he wished he had his Pokemon game. Psst. Half behind a tree and half hidden by the green shrubbery stood Hypno, with his stooped posture and swinging his pendulum. Preston smiled, and after making sure no one was watching him, edged towards the shrubbery. Hello, little child, Hypno said, cocking his head to the left like a bird. Hi, Hypno, Preston said, keeping his voice down. Why did you run away yesterday? I don't like the adults seeing me, Hypno said. Why? They don't like Pokemon. Oh, Preston said, nodding his head. No wonder why Miss Hinson was always trying to take away his Pokemon game. What is your name, little child? I'm Preston. Preston Michaels. Well, Preston, he said, I have something to show you. Hypno gestured behind him with his free hand, and then he turned and walked into the forest. Preston glanced back. As usual, everyone's attention was everywhere but him, and turned and followed his Pokemon into the foliage. The shrubbery clung to Preston's jeans, making him stop every so often to wrench his legs from the thicket. Hypno walked ahead. His right arm always held out a swinging pendulum. The smell of wet root made Preston's nose wrinkle every time he broke a large weed. Sweat formed on the bridge of his nose, and he kept having to wipe it away and push up his glasses. It took only five minutes of walking before the two entered a tiny clearing. Hypno stopped in front of a hole in the ground, one like Preston had seen earlier that day, but smaller, perhaps only a meter in length and width. The boy glanced over his shoulder. He could see the class and Miss Hinson past the trees and foliage. Preston's shoulders slumped a little. No one is even missing me. The boy forced back a hiccup that seemed to be trying to force its way up and then turned to see Hypno still staring down. Preston glanced down the hole. It looked dark and deep. The smell of wet earth and something else drifted from up it. Preston wrinkled his nose. What is that place? The boy asked. It's my home, Hypno said. For the first time, Preston noticed that the Pokemon's voice seemed muffled. Why do you live in a place like that, Hypno? I have no owner, Hypno said. I have nowhere else to go. Me neither, Preston said, though his voice sounded small. There it was again, that lump in his chest. He wanted to be one of the kids the others played with. He wanted to be the one whose kids whose parents never fought and paid attention to him. Tears slid down his cheeks. No one loves me. Hypno loves you, Hypno said, bending over to look Preston in the face. The boy could see every ridge in the Pokemon's mask-like face. Preston's lip quivered. He wrapped his arms around Hypno. I'm so lonely, Preston said, hugging the Pokemon tighter. Hypno shhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhh
Back and forth, your eyelids fall. The boy's eyelids fell, and he drifted to sleep. Preston tried to move his arms, but something held them to his sides. He grunted, moving his head back and forth. He tried moving his feet. They were too bound. Preston took a deep breath, but coughed. That bad smell, he thought. It's so strong. Then he remembered what the smell was. He remembered a time when he, his mother, and his father were happy together, and they went to the beach or theme parks or on picnics. Once, they crossed a dead puppy, and Preston's father got out of the car and moved it to the side of the road. Preston had gotten out, but had to go back in. He remembered the smell, the sweet smell that made him grimace of decay. Preston coughed again. Hypno, he said, where are you? There was no answer. Warmth ran through Preston's body. The little hairs all over his body stood up straight. He knew he had to open his eyes, but with that smell and Hypno gone, what was he going to find? The boy shook and whimpered. He took a deep breath, forcing himself not to gag, and opened his eyes. Very little light lit the cave walls. There was ones the boy had seen earlier that day looked gray, but these looked black. Water dripped from the rock, making a drip, drip, drip sound every time a dropped fall. He tried moving again, though the ropes bit into his body. The hard ground made his back ache. Though the air felt warm, Preston still shivered. Help! He screamed, but stopped when he saw the rest of the cave. Bones and clothing littered the ground. A little girl's Barbie shirt, a little cap with Seminole stitched across it. I just want my mommy and daddy. I want to go home. Tears flooded his eyes and he struggled more and more. Help! He screamed. As he thrashed back and forth, the boy's gaze found Hypno. The Pokemon's stooped silhouette hunched over a lit lantern. I want to go home, Hypno, Preston said, his tears leaking into his mouth. Take me home! I don't like it here! Oh, little child, you cannot leave, Hypno said, his voice low, but squeakier than before. His voice made the boy shiver even more. For you, your families will grieve. Minds unraveling at the seams, allowing me to haunt their dreams. Please, Preston said. Hypno stood. He swung his pendulum back and forth, but it seemed to shine in the dim light. Each time it would hit the light, it made Preston squint. Hypno moved closer. Don't cry, Preston, Hypno said, speaking in the same low, squeaky voice. Preston tried to crawl back. Blood ran down his arms and legs. Do not wail and do not weep. It's time for you to go to sleep. Hypno sang. His voice heightened as he sang, making Preston scream louder. Hypno's eyes widened, though only a bit of them was visible through the eye slits. Little child, you were not clever. Now you'll stay with me here forever. Come, little children, come with me. Safe and happy you will be. Away from home, now let us run. With Hypno you'll have so much fun. Oh, little children, please don't cry. Hypno wouldn't hurt a fly. Be free to frolic, free to play. Come with me to my cave to stay. Oh, little children, please don't squirm. These ropes I know will hold you firm. Now look to me, the pendant calls. Back and forth your eyelids fall. Oh, little children, you cannot leave. For you, your families will grieve. Minds unraveling 
at the seams, allowing me to haunt their dreams. Do not wail and do not weep, it's time for you to go to sleep. Little children, you were not clever, now you'll stay with me forever. And that's Hypno's Lullaby. I couldn't tell if it was a person or not at first. Mm -hmm. The way you're describing it. And I still don't know. I I still don't know either. I think that's supposed to be that way. Because it's like, oh yeah, this is like a, a, maybe a weird person who's wearing like yellow. But also like what great lengths to kidnap a child is to pretend to be a Pokemon. But then there's the line about, like, oh, haunting dreams. Yes. I'm like, oh, maybe... Because then at that point, you don't have to pretend you're a hypno, right? You already have the child. Right. But I think that's also a really uh, fun idea. Not fun. Interesting idea for uh, hypno for, like, oh, I kidnap children so that the parents' dreams become, like, nightmares. Mm. And I'll feed off of them more and more and more. Which is, like, an interesting idea for the hypno and, like, the eating dreams kind of thing. And I think that's also why one of the reasons this creepypasta became as popular as it was. Because it's, like, the conversation is, like, was it a, a, just a person? Was it an actual Pokemon? Like, what is, what's going on? Because, yeah, at the, at the end of the thing, at the end of the, the creepypasta, when he has the kid, you don't need to pretend to be a hypno anymore, right? right. Like, so what is it? This one's definitely, like, better well-written. I like the the lullaby mm-hmm. that comes they have like a written out uh lullaby and like that's so slight i don't know like that's so well written to me of like that's terrifying but also rhymes which i love so much my ass cannot rhyme oh i cannot but i love like it's just so it's so smooth when you say it and it's like real and i also then understand of like how this became a song because you already had lyrics to go with it right and you mm-hmm. just get a creepy voice and you're like oh little children please don't whatever you know so it's definitely a mixture of, like, the unknown king's curse being, like, kind of campy, kind of cheesy. It has, like, that Jesus spelled backwards and the Satanists, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing in the cursed cartridge. And then you have this other one that's genuinely, like, what the fuck was that? Right. Yo, what the fuck was that? And I think that's the dichotomy of creepypasta and why I love them so much. I love a good creepypasta. I, yeah, again, I haven't, like, read. Yeah. I'm not in that realm. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's... Yeah. I always think cringe. <laughs> no, I, I think that's and fair. I feel, and I feel bad, but, like, that's kind of what... It's definitely a, a nostalgia thing, right? It's, like, you read them at the time, and they have... Like, again, Unknown's Revenge is kind... It's cheesy and cringy. <laughs> Having yeah. the file be 666 game hours, and yeah. it's, like... But that, it, like, that kind of level of cringe has such a s- safe and special soft space in my heart. Just because of, like... That was, that's my cringe, you know, of just like that. It's cringe, but it's my cringe. In the same way for like, I haven't read Ben Drowns in a while, but it is probably just as like, and it comes oh, along sure. with the questions like, hey, why'd you keep playing? Hey, no one needed you to like. <laughs> right. And that's the base like horror argument. Yes. Like, why didn't you run? Yeah. Why didn't you call for help? Yes. Why are you investigating? Why did you even play the game in the first place? Right. Why didn't you stop? Like, why didn't, you know, all of these questions of like, why did you even follow the instructions? Like, you didn't need to do that. Right. You just got a, You just got a cartridge with a bunch of high level Pokemon, a bunch of, uh, you know, legendaries and all this. You don't have to follow the instructions. You could have just freaked it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but 
I don't know. That's that that level of cringe is like that's my soul. Where like there's others like I wasn't really into SCPs, you know, and love SCPs. Yeah, I never got into. But SCPs. like I didn't, I didn't get into it until recently. Oh, okay. Objectively, not like as a kid. Yeah. N- yeah, I didn't know anything about that stuff as a kid, and when I started learning about creepy bosses mm-hmm. and things, obviously SCPs came up. They're huge. Yes. Um, and I only knew like the very popular ones, like the. The baby, which is like, oh, if you look at it, someone has to be looking at it or else it moves mm-hmm. and it like slaughters people. And then there's basically the rake is like one of them. Yes. And there's like so many. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous. I love the rake. The rake is genuinely terrifying because it's just like anything to do with dreams or sleeping. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Leave me in peace. True. Leave me in peace over there. Um, But yeah, how did you how did you like both of the creepy pauses that I brought forth to you today? Listen, I when I say they're cringe, I'm not saying that in like a derogatory no, yeah. sense. Like I definitely was into cringe things mm-hmm. as a kid, and I still am. We like, all have our cringe. No, absolutely. Like any, I have the Undertale soundtrack on like my massive, all together one playlist, and people are like, "Oh, Undertale's cringe." And yeah. It's like, yeah, the fandom's cringe, but like the content is still really good. Yeah. So I liked both of them. The second one by far mm-hmm. does a better job oh, of for sure. Uns- like creating Un- like creeping you out yeah because yeah. like even just the description of like oh paper mache skin and it's like mm-hmm. the voice doesn't match all the time yeah it's the movements are awkward move i know it looks like clothing right so you're like this is just a person this is just something behind yeah. a mask that's talking to this child right but then other things happen and you're like i don't think so yeah. i don't i don't I don't know. So, right. but then at the end of the day, it is just also a really sad piece of this little boy whose parents fight all the time, and he doesn't. He's not really liked by the kids, and he's like, "I'd rather go with this fucking Pokemon who I know dick all about right. than be here," which is like genuinely just really sad. You know, I think a great creepy pasta has you feeling all of those. It has you feeling like a little bit sad, a little bit creeped out, mm. a little bit horrified. You know. But it has you feeling, like, a multiple things, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's what makes, like, the best creepypasta. And, like, a little bit intrigued. You want to keep reading, you right. know? It's, like... Because that's not something like the Russian sleep experiment. It was, like, oh, this is horrifying. Scroll, 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 scroll. Right. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, levels of horror, especially internet horror, come and go. Now we have, like, the ARGs and... Uh, I-, I always forget the name analog analog horror oh, okay. yes okay it was like i don't know what no, you're getting yes, at no yes the type of horror analog horror i see um where yeah it's like ARGs and analog horror now where it's like you kind of saw pizza of it with uh what did you say the slenderman one yeah i mean that one was more an ARG sort of and then it kind of turned into analog cuz marble hornets took yeah. the base idea but that and, was like, like the start all. like right. that was like the very first one and it came but there's always been different i guess trends cuz there's like yeah, people are always going to be creating, like, analog horror, but this is this is what's in right now. No, We're, ab- like, absolutely. And there's so many people. That's yeah. the thing, is, like, you can't control what happens. I mm-hmm. watched a video from four years ago about some guy being, like, ARG horror and analog horror is on the decline. It's going away. No. And I was, like, this was posted four fucking years ago. Wrong. Like, it's more popular than yeah. ever right now. We're, like, in the 2010s, creepypastas were huge I know. and people were convinced that they were never gonna go away never die yes. stuff like that and it's like okay well yeah the world ebb and flows so but that's what i like about internet horror more than anything and i do like i, I like big scale budget deep what are they called like <laughs> just really deep philosophical horror mm. i like those but i i love like low budget doing as much as you can with as little as you have 
just in your own imagination and what you have at your fingertips alone kind of horror because i think those breed the most creative right. things like it was just a bunch of people who just wanted to write creepy stories and therefore creepypasta came around and analog horror is just like having you know whatever you have in your home and filming with your friends and writing out a little story and the same i mean even the args that are going on like there's ARGs on TikTok and YouTube and it's just whatever you have, whatever platform you have. And I also think that's what I have a little special place in my heart for like found footage horror movies because mm-hmm. it is just like the lowest budget kind of stuff. Just doing whatever you can to make this passion project. And like as much as I love the big budget horror, I love the like low budget doing whatever you can with whatever you have right. kind of horror. And I can't wait to see where the internet horror comes next because who fucking knows? I love its cycle. Where are we going to go next? I don't know. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canonically Incorrect. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and Tumblr. You can send us your fanfiction recommendations. Or if you're a fanfiction author that would like to be on our show, email us at canonicallyincorrectpod at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, you can donate a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash canonicallyincorrect. <laughs> you can subscribe to our Patreon monthly at patreon.com slash canonicallyincorrect. Thank you to our Patreons at Tumnal River and Riley C for your continued support. Donate to AO3. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.